0: Hi, Workwell listeners. I'm really excited to share that my book, Work Better Together, is officially out. Conversations with Workwell guests and feedback from listeners like you inspired this book. It's all about how to create a more human centered workplace. And as we return to the office for many of us, this book can help you move forward into post pandemic life with strategies and tools to strengthen your relationships and focus on your well being. It's available on Amazon or your favorite book retailer. One of the reasons I like to get up early in the morning is to see the sunrise off my balcony. It's a spectacular sight, full of color and beauty. And the real magic is the way the colors and the sun move and change so subtly over the course of the year. It starts off my morning with peace and serenity and leaves me in awe every single time. This is the Workwell podcast series. Hi, I'm Jen Fisher, Chief Well-being officer for Deloitte, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today to talk about all things well-being. I'm here with Jonah Paquette. He is a psychologist, author, and speaker specializing in the areas of happiness and well-being. His latest book, Awestruck, explores the underappreciated and often misunderstood emotion of awe. Tell us about your story. I want to know who you are. And and most importantly, I guess, how did you become inspired to focus on happiness and well-being?
1: Yeah, well, who I am, um, let's start in the beginning. No, I, I will make it clear. <laughs> um, I'm actually, you were born. I was born, born <laughs> and then a lot happened. Uh, I, and I was actually born on the East Coast. I'm a Brooklyn, New Yorker uh, at heart and born and raised, but I came out to California for graduate school. Um you know, and I was one of those cliche stories of people that thought they would come out here for a few years, and then the next thing you look up, and it's been a couple of decades. Um, <laughs> but it was really, you know, I think, it, like with so many people, you can look back on your life and, and piece together in different threads and how they connect. But I, I definitely remember in graduate school, you're getting, you know, to become a clinical psychologist, you're studying so much about depression, anxiety, stress, trauma, and different treatments for it. And I remember um Having this this moment of thinking, you know, don't we study other sides of the coin sometimes? I mean, this is all really important, but isn't there more to life than just being, you know, not stressed, not anxious, mm-hmm. not panicked? Uh, what are the ingredients of of a, the good life? And and really, that's been a, a big topic in philosophy and other walks of life, but it really wasn't part of the world of psychology until not that long ago. Right around the time, actually, that I was in uh, doing my graduate training. And I remember this—it was this light bulb moment of sorts that went off, and I decided to drop everything I had done to that point for my dissertation uh, and my studies, and really shift 180 degrees to studying positive psychology, as it's mm-hmm. called—the study of well-being, the study of, uh, of the good life—and did that for my doctoral research. And then, as the years have gone on, even though I've always worn a clinical psychology hat, and I certainly work with a lot of clients, and, and you know, otherwise doing more traditional work um that's been my passion is really helping both individuals organizations clients that i work with live their best life which to me goes beyond just the absence of suffering but the presence of something more so that's what really led me to write my previous books real happiness and the happiness toolbox and more recently focused in on awe and wonder in my my more recent book awestruck um but to me, you know, this is the question of what, what life is all about is, you know, how do we help ourselves and the people we love most achieve well-being and a satisfying life and a sense of meaning and purpose and connection and belonging? And, you know, that that's really what it's all about. And um, that's become a, an incredible passion of mine to, to learn about it, but to also uh, share that information with people.
0: And uh, it sounds like we have similar passions. <laughs> it, it does. It does. So um let's talk about your most recent book, Awestruck, but you know, in particular about awe, you and I uh, share a, a common connection, I think with uh, Dr. Dacker Keltner. He has been oh. on the show as well, and I know that you talk about him in the book yeah. Awestruck and his his research um, and his work. So tell me about awe and wonder what's the difference between mm. the two um, and what kind of led you to, to write about it because it, you know, as you talk about it, it, it isn't kind of a common emotion that that's commonplace in, in our language and in our society today.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's strange because it is this common universal human emotion yeah. yet really has been left out of the picture for, for most of certainly, you know, the, you know, in a formal sense of the research on emotions and well-being. Um, so, you know, I, Backing up, I had, I had always had this passion for learning about different ingredients of the good life, and you know whether that might would be something like mindfulness or self compassion, gratitude, and so a lot of my work focused on that. Uh, but I remember it was a few years ago, um, 2018, I believe, and I had the good fortune of being uh, at that, you know, way back when when you could actually travel and go places, <laughs> um, at on the island of St. John in the Caribbean. And there was beautiful place. I've only been there once, but there was this incredibly powerful rainstorm that came through very, very suddenly. And we hustled to get back towards the car. And the next thing I knew, I looked back up behind me and the rain had cleared. And there was this just incredible double rainbow hmm. that was over the, just this crystal clear blue water of the bay um, on that North Shore side side of the island. And I just had this moment of goosebumps of this recognition of, being part of something bigger than myself. And I thought to myself in that moment, what is this? I mean, I know this is wonder, this is awe, this is, but, but has this really been looked at? Has this been examined? Has this been uh, written about? Because um, I love to write. And I remember we went back that night to this cottage we were staying in and on 56K dial-up modem it felt like. I, I spent the next few hours looking up all that I could of what was – what had been done in terms of this research, and of course people like Dr. Keltner showed up and there had been a, a, a recent upswell of, of academic research on it, mm. but nothing in terms of like the how to. And that's really my my passion is helping people, helping the general public understand, you know, what are these concepts that we're talking about in, in a straightforward way, but how do you imply them in your life? And that it was that night that I really started to sketch out the idea for my book and to uh, start to explore it a little bit more, but you know, to, to answer your question in terms of what this uh, term even means, because uh, it can obviously, you hear that word, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, you know, I, I think of informal and more formal definitions of it. So, informally, it would be, you know, those moments in life where we feel small yet connected to something much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the moments that give us goosebumps. It's the moments where we want to pinch ourselves. It's the moments that make us go, wow. Uh, so I think that's kind of the, what, what often that shorthand would, would get people to understand. If you look at it a step deeper, um, you know, researchers who study this, and there's, you know, of course, people like Keltner, but also Lonnie Shiota and Paul Piff and many other really awesome people that are doing this work, uh, they talk about it as being combined these two separate but interconnected ingredients. Um The first is that we encounter something that's vast, something that's bigger than ourselves, whether it's in the physical realm or the idea realm, right? So just like vast could be the Grand Canyon, it could also be the capacity of someone's courage and resilience in the face of hardship or someone's humanity. So vastness is that first piece. And then the second is what's called transcendence or accommodation. You see both of those words show up in this literature, but it essentially means that Something about this experience makes me step back and reevaluate things. Uh, It challenges what I thought I knew about the world, about myself, about other people. So there's an adapting quality. There's a a fact that I encounter something, but it also uh, pushes me outside of my status quo in some sense. Uh, And you put those two together, and that's really the from an academic standpoint, what what it's thought of as awe. um, But I also think, you know, just as effectively is to remind people of those moments that we feel small yet connected.
0: So you've talked about some physical indicators of feeling awe, um, goosebumps, but how how do you know when you're feeling awe versus like something else, like amazement or Mm. admiration or like, how how do you differentiate, I guess, between those emotions? Or do you And do you need to differentiate between those emotions, I guess?
1: Good question. I mean, and and perhaps, you know, for for many purposes, you don't. Uh, I always think of it in terms of, you know, Venn diagrams in a (laughs) sense that, um, you know, many of these concepts and these constructs overlap, right? Mm -hmm. You know, being mindful in the present moment is often overlapped with feeling grateful for something in the present moment, for example. So you have, you know, there is overlap. Um, I would say, you know, one thing that separates awe from something like amazement would be, you know, there are things that we can be amazed about, but that don't necessarily have that same element of scale uh, mm-hmm. to them. That they're not, you know, we're not necessarily in the presence of something bigger than us in that sense. Um, wonder is a word that you mentioned earlier. And actually, in, in most of this literature, those two concepts do tend to be collapsed into awe. You know, so there's not a huge differentiation between awe and wonder. Okay. I would say that one area where they maybe depart is you hear the word wonder and it always tends to have at least in my experience pretty positive connotations right the sense of wonder the sense of you know marveling at something whereas awe doesn't inherently have to just apply to good things and you can have awe in the face of negative parts of life mm. you can have awe in the face of threat in the face of you know just to name a couple of examples a natural disaster um yeah i was in new york during 9-11 i think there was a a quality to that it's not not something you'd ever want to repeat but that sense of wow i'm i'm like this is something way beyond my comprehension happening here um and that you know that threat that scale to it um so the negative ball is a thing so
0: so probably safe to say that most people have experienced some sort of negative awe hmm. over the pandemic <laughs> yeah. in the in the past 14 or 15 months. I would I would say.
1: I'd say that's a perfect example. I mean, tragically, oftentimes, but yeah, that that idea that you know we could be essentially worldwide brought to our knees by yeah. something we can't see is there's an awe quality to that for sure, even though. But it's, it's so true. That. I mean, I
0: I've never, I mean, until you said it, I never I've always thought about awe in, in a very positive way. I've never actually thought about awe in a you know in a in a negative connotation, but it's so true. So y- you've said that awe is often underappreciated. And I think you've talked about it a little bit already. But but let's dig into that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think part of it is with a lot of emotions, right? Uh, we can pretty easily trace well, why do we all experience this? Like right. you think about a universal human emotion, like fear or love or anger. And it's, it's easy to say from kind of that evolutionary psychology lens of, well, why do we all experience that? It ha- keeps us safe from threat. It helps us forge social bonds, but awe is this tricky universal emotion. That's it's a little less obvious on the surface of well, why is it something that's now been studied in 40 plus countries and cultures around the world. And everyone talks about as this, this important part of, of who we are. Um, but you know, I think for one thing, it, it does some really interesting things for us that lead me to feel like it's underappreciated. Um, and and if you look at some of the benefits of awe, like three of the benefits of awe, right off the bat, I like to call the three C's of awe: connection, compassion, and curiosity. Mm-hmm. That you see this in all kinds of interesting studies, fascinating research that's been done, is when a person experiences a an experience of awe. They feel more connected to other people. So it fosters a feeling of connection, which you know we all know we need during this much of the past year when we've often felt so isolated. It leads to greater altruism and compassion. So we become more attuned to other people's sufferings and needs. It actually makes people more generous, interestingly enough. And it also, like we talked about, makes us more curious. So connection, compassion, and curiosity are three of those core hallmark benefits of awe that you see time and time again. Um, but it, it goes way beyond that too. You know, There's boosts to our emotional states in terms of positive emotions. Uh, there's a feeling of being small yet connected to the world around us and other people. It makes people less materialistic. So it actually orients us to deeper, more meaningful values. It's even been shown to lower not only overall stress levels, but even symptoms of post-traumatic stress mm. seem to respond to these experiences of awe and wonder. So, you know, there's, there's many more, but even just on a psychological benefit uh, level, there are these incredible outcomes linked with awe that we're just starting to scratch the surface of that have really big implications. I think a lot of uh, untapped potential, you might say, to, to awe as well.
0: So is awe fleeting, you know, I I mean, I guess I think of on a lot of the examples that we've talked about um, are things that happen in nature. And and by the way, I kind of smiled to myself when you talked about the rainstorm in St. John, because I live in South Florida and um, that's the tropics for you. Oh, you, <laughs> you know, the, this unexpected, you know, rainstorm comes in, and you know, it looks like the world's coming to an end. And five minutes later, there's amazing rainbows. So, um, so I go. related to that experience. You know, I think awe. You know, childbirth for a lot of mm-hmm. people probably creates a sense of awe. But, but these are all kind of fleeting yeah. experiences or, or moments in in our life. So, how do we? how do we make sure that we make the most of it and, and savor it when it happens? And, and I guess, is it true that awe is fleeting?
1: Yes, it, it typically is. Um, okay. but yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One is you spoke to the, all the different parts of life that can give us this feeling, um, you know, nature, versus, you know, holding a child for the first time are seemingly, you know, very different experiences, but they can bring that, that feeling about. Um, you know, noticing something like, you know, how many things in my immediate field of vision would be mind-blowing to somebody 500 years ago? And that's another example of how we often... Architecture. Live- <laughs> architecture all yeah. kinds of things. So we can experience it through many different avenues. Um, but I would say, you know, one thing is these moments are fleeting, but their effects seemingly aren't and i think that's a really important nuance to it that you're right like many times when i think of some of my peak awe moments in life uh many of them probably lasted all of five to seven seconds uh in the moment right like they're very very brief and then you get in your head and then you know you're on to the next thing but what some studies have shown is that even a couple of weeks later you can still detect ripple effects in terms of our mood in terms of our stress level even in terms of Things like our body's inflammatory response, um, mm-hmm. that powerful moments of awe, especially, seem to have lasting effects, both in our mind and our body, that can even last upwards of a couple of weeks for those really, you know, those poignant moments, uh, which is really surprising. So the moment itself is very fleeting, but those effects can last. And I think the other piece that comes to mind from what you're mentioning is, it becomes so important for us to find ways to notice these experience on a small level uh, that there's capital A and then there's lowercase a and that's not a technical definition, but <laughs> it's, you know, we think of all often as, you know, I'm going to go visit the Eiffel tower. Uh, and that, you know, could be perfectly awe strike, awe inspiring. Yeah. But I think just as important is for folks to remember that each and every day, we actually encounter things that are beautiful, magical, miraculous, um, inspiring, but we often don't see them in that light. You know, I think of my when I woke up this morning, and I checked my email and I exchanged messages with somebody who's halfway around the world, and my coffee was ready uh, when I woke up magically, and I had a roof over my head, and I my alarm clock was in my phone, which you know has more computing power in it than what launched the Apollo missions, quite literally. And you know, all of these are are incredible. But we don't tend to think of them that way. So a lot of it is about awareness and really learning and training ourselves to see the world through new eyes, to notice those small moments that we so often gloss over, but are really incredible. And when we learn to see them as, you know, the gifts that they are, uh, it goes an incredibly long way as well.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking. Um... <laughs> that what you said is so powerful because so often we we absolutely gloss over those things i think especially when it comes to the technology that, that we use, I think more often than not, we probably feel frustration when it's not working versus mm-hmm. awe when it, is, when it is working exactly how it's supposed to, right? And that like, like it right, is, yeah. you know, um, that's kind of where, where my head was going. So when it comes to these feelings of awe or these moments of awe, is recalling those moments, does that have the same impact or is that something completely different?
1: That is a wonderful question, and and I think the answer is close enough. <laughs> um, which, and by the way, I think this this is a even a broader point that I think listeners might want to uh, keep in mind. You know, our, when we think about something or we visualize something, uh, this is one of the reasons why visualization exercises can actually be really powerful. It does create in us usually... You know, it's hard to put a number on it, but I've heard some estimates some estimates of around 60 to 70%, 70% the same reactions mm. throughout our brain, our nervous system, our body, as when that thing was really happening. Now, the problem is, I mean, that's like a superpower if you think about it, but we often use that superpower for, for bad, uh, for lack of a better term. And all we have to do is think about the last time that we started to really ruminate on and, and dwell on something that didn't go well.
0: You mean this morning?
1: <laughs> this morning, Last hour, whenever that was for us. And, you know, and, and when you think about it, you start to actually feel tense, and you feel your heart rate go up, and you feel your mood sink. That thing is not happening right in front of us, but in our mind it is. And in, in many ways, like with a lot of things um, in, in Buddhism, they, they were on this a couple thousand years ago. They talked about it in terms of you know the first arrow and the second arrow, and the first arrow are the things that happen to us in life. The idea is that if we're hit by an arrow, would that hurt? But then if we're hit by another arrow in the same place, would that hurt even more? And the first arrow are things that happen to us. We have very little control over that. The second arrow is in the mind's tendency to relive, replay, latch on to. And that is actually something we have a lot more control over. So using that same mental muscle, but doing it For something like awe, for example, like reliving those past moments, having pictures around that remind us of those special memories, having an awe journal, uh, talking and sharing about it with somebody, all of those types of efforts create many of those same neural pathways and reactions in our body as when the experience was happening. Same goes for gratitude, moments of self-kindness towards ourselves, self-care, connection, um, that we can actually learn to use this superpower of the mind in in a way that's going to be uh, giving us peace and strength and well-being as opposed to more down the road of rumination, which we tend to do.
0: I'm processing that because that's, it's really, I feel like that's something that I need to, it's a mindset shift though, right? I mean, because you're right in that we, we tend to we tend to ruminate on the negative versus, I mean, how powerful is it to quote unquote ruminate on the positive, right? Mm -hmm. Or or the things, the moments in our life that brought us awe and joy. Um, And and I I guess I just never really thought about it like
1: that. I don't think you're alone. I mean, this is a constant reminder for me too. And if there's listeners who, um, you know, notice that, oh, I do the opposite and I dwell, you know, keep in mind, there's good reason for that, right? Like we are designed to survive, not to feel good. And oftentimes those go at cross purposes. So being alert to threat and remembering things that happen. Our our brain even has this, what they call a a negativity bias where negative events stick with us a lot longer and more intensely than positive ones. So I don't think you're alone in that. I'm certainly in that same boat. But to that point, it really is about intention and, you know, maybe becoming 1% better at a time with it and just, you know, ruminating a little less and going out of our way to recall the good a little bit more, scheduling time to really savor the good moments of our day, Uh, setting aside two minutes to visualize a moment where we felt loved and connected and and so forth. And it's really bit by bit that we start to change these habits and and actually even on a brain-based level change our brain as well over time.
0: So can we as human beings actually create awe? Can we, can we actually cultivate it or create it? Or is it just kind Absolutely. of these serendipitous moments that happen to us? <laughs>
1: no, that's a good, I, And, and I, I liken it. Uh, I, my mind's going a couple of places here, but um, I would just add, you know, what gives one person all might make another person shrug. Um, I, would, <laughs> I, I had a friend not too long ago visit, uh, I guess a couple of years ago at this time, but I was out in California, good friend of mine from, from childhood. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be out in California. Like, Let's do something to you know show, show me around like what what, what, it's, what it's like out there. So I thought to myself, well, I really love going to the redwood forests, and that to me is this quintessential California thing. They're three hundred fifty foot tree, tall trees. They've been around for a couple of thousand years. Like this is, you know, my spiritual experience, if you will. So I thought to myself that that would be a great thing for a New Yorker who's never been out here to see. So I take my friend to this beautiful place called Muir Woods, and it's this redwood grove. And about 10 minutes in, I'm sitting there, you know, in rapt attention, looking around the cathedral. He turns to me and he says, so is there anything else to see here besides trees? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, wow, that just went totally flat. Uh, my, my, my effort. So with the recognition that we're all different, uh what I tend to think of this, to your question, is we want to give ourselves more opportunities, more bites at the apple. There's not a guarantee that if I go to the Grand Canyon, I'll feel a sense of awe. Mm. Some of it's my mindset when I engage with things, but some of it's just that individual difference, right? A beautiful symphony might might evoke a feeling of wonder in you, but maybe not so much in me, depending on our, our tastes in music, right? So in my book, I go over about 65 or so different practices and, and tips and suggestions and strategies to find more awe in different domains of life um, but again what we want to do is really experiment but you know i'll just name a few examples i think finding whether you know broadly speaking nature is a great place for awe. so that could be going out into you know natural spaces it could be looking up at cloud formations it could be the setting sun and just noticing what that you know how that light changes um so there's different ways the changing colors of the leaves in nature uh there's also other people right so when we feel those moments of love and connection when we look at the world through a child's eyes when we share a moment of you know of incredible beauty with somebody that can evoke a feeling of awe of course Uh, being inspired by people so thinking about who who over the past year has been you know, on the front lines of the fight against COVID? Who in the you know recent years people that we know or don't know who have been fighting to make the world a better place? Uh, who are the people whose courage in the face of illness inspires us? So there's no shortage of people that we can feel uplifted by, and that can give us a sense of of wonder as well. And then oftentimes the mental side of things too. Like when we when we pause and we recognize that there are more stars up above. Than there are grains of sand on earth. That is mind-blowing, right? So we're not actually going up and counting those, but just that knowledge. When we think about all of the different systems in our body that have to work in unison and harmony just for our heart to beat, for us to be here, to, for us to have consciousness the way we do, or all the things that had to align for us to even be here right now as, a, as an individual. You know, the fact that the earth has to be placed exactly where it is in terms of distance from the sun that all of our ancestors had to survive long enough to pass their genes along, um, that all the things had to line up just so, like the odds of existing are as close to zero as you get without being zero. And yet here we are. And that's mind blowing. So part of it, you know, there's many, many arts and architecture. We talked about it as well, of course. So, And, and those many, are
0: those are man-made too. So I guess yeah, yeah. In, in a, yeah. we, we can actually create awe, there's right?
1: A, oh, <laughs> performance, I mean, music, you know, beautiful music, beautiful art, architecture, to your point, uh, you know, athletics. These are all things that can give us a sense of, you know, when you w- feel like you're witnessing something that's special and magical and rare. Uh, so yeah, we can definitely, um, you know, as human beings either use awe to inspire us as a cr- on a creative level. So use those moments to sort of cr- have that creative spark or our creation, broadly speaking, can evoke awe in other people, so there's there's many ways that this can can go.
0: And so, what are your kind of go-to strategies to make sure that you are bringing awe into your into your daily life, or maybe your weekly life?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, great question. So, I think the ones that I tend to really try to remember and try to, to call to mind one is I am somebody that really, and this surprises me in many ways, coming from you know, growing up in, in Brooklyn for the first couple of decades of my life, um, I'm somebody that gets a lot of this through nature. So I really go out of my way to connect, you know, whether it's doing hiking or, or visiting nearby parks to so just be around green space to just put myself so nature is definitely one for me but also through you know travel and going to see beautiful national parks and, and places like that when I'm able to is a huge part for me uh, I'm definitely somebody in terms of the lowercase a or the everyday awe that I really do make a habit of pausing every once in a while and just wherever I find myself whether it's in a you know uh, you know in my home at work, or really anywhere driving and I stop and I pause and I realize how many things can I actually identify in my field of vision that are actually mind blowing to 99.9% of the human experience. Um, That's something I try to remind myself of. And just the fact that I'm looking around my room right now and I'm seeing so many things that are, that are just uh, incredible through that lens. And the existence piece, the timelessness piece that I mentioned where Even during difficult moments, you know, remembering how rare of a gift this whole thing called life is, the fact that the odds are incredibly stacked against any of us being here, and yet here we are, that even those painful moments in many ways are, you know, gifts that are not afforded to everybody. Um, You know, just the ability to grow older um, is a gift. You know, on and on we go. So I try to really use together a gratitude practice with, with awe. As well through that,
0: yeah I, I i love that, and I think that you know the everyday awe. Um, I need to I need to cultivate more of that because I think we just tend to take those things for granted. You know you 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 know flip the light switch and the and the light turns on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and like I said, you know, when you flip the light switch and the light switch doesn't turn on, um, mm-hmm. you tend to get frustrated instead of perhaps maybe getting curious as to, okay, well, you know, what's 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 really going on here, and and how do I kind of step back and realize that, you know, ninety nine percent of the time when the light switch does turn on the lights, um, I should be I should be in awe um, and I should be you know appreciative or more grateful for 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 what I have and. Because you know, we we for most of us live in a in a world of abundance, but we just take that abundance for granted. I think.
1: Yeah, and and you know, there's this phenomenon, as, as some listeners might be familiar with, called hedonic adaptation. We get used to good things essentially, and mm. we're all conditioned to do that. Yeah. So, I definitely hope that none of this is interpreted by anybody as a oh. Uh, scolding in any sense i think we're all wired this way and really the challenge becomes how do i gently shift out of that mindset where i'm not just taking things for granted and not just onto the next thing but where i'm actually appreciative of that i had a moment recently with our internet here and um you know i had to re- restart the, the router and it took seven minutes to fully reboot and i felt i felt myself getting very frustrated of you know, why don't things ever work the way that they're supposed to? And then i tried to think, well, when's the last time I had to reboot the, this router? And most of the days throughout this pandemic, I've been able to work from here and, and do things. And that's pretty amazing. Um, and yet I would find myself getting frustrated. So you catch yourself and it's totally natural and normal. But then you bring yourself back. And I think, you know, we talked about savoring the good in a sense and savoring all moments That to me is a a real way to build this mental muscle too, that whether it's through mental snapshots, souvenirs, um, mementos, Mm. photos, uh, just going out of our way to hold on to. And I almost have the the vision in my mind of an accordion where we take a single experience instead of it just being a single experience, we stretch it out. out. And that's what we're doing with, with so many of these things.
0: Wow. Well, this this has been. I mean, so much insight. Really enlightening. Um, I I I feel like I need time to process it all and and start to embed some of these into my into my own life. So, one final question for you, Jonah. Of something course. that I ask all of my guests. What is your definition of well being? I feel like mm. you got a leg up on this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I should. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, well-being is one of those terms that means something different to all of us. But I think it's, I I tend to come back to this very simple mindset where it's a combination of feeling good and doing good. Um, That I think sometimes if we're just, you know, focusing on pleasure and and hedonic happiness, but we miss out on that depth, it's an incomplete life. Um, If we're constantly striving and and trying to to do good, uh, but there's an absence of joy and, and connection and all that. Um, then we're going to feel kind of languishing in a way. And I think, you know, thinking of that combination of, you know, I'm generally day-to-day pretty satisfied with life. I'm generally day-to-day feeling good more so than not. But I'm also connected to something that's bigger than just me. I think when you put all that together, uh, feeling good and doing good combined is my uh, shorthand for for well-being.
0: I like it. I'll take it. We're gonna add it to the. We're gonna add it to the list. So, well, Jonah, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I know the listeners are gonna get a lot out of it, um, as as I know I did. So, I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Oh, great pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: I'm so grateful, Jonah, could be with us today to talk about awe and wonder. Thank you to our producers, Rivet360, and our listeners. You can find the WorkWell podcast series on Deloitte.com, or you can visit various podcatchers using the keyword work well, all one word, to hear more. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe so you get all of our future episodes. If you have a topic you'd like to hear on the WorkWell podcast series, or maybe a story you would like to share, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. My profile is under the name Jen Fisher, or on Twitter at GenFish23. We're always open to your recommendations and feedback. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share, post, and like this podcast. Thank you and be well.